Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Hey everyone, I'm so excited about today's podcast. We got my good buddy Ed, uh, who is going to be on the uh, podcast today, and I've been a f- uh, friend of his for many years. We've known each other forever, and we're talking today about creating higher productivity among your leaders, whether they're volunteers or their staff. How do you set up systems that create more productivity for your leaders? I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Man, how can I serve you, man? What do you want to talk about? What what uh, what topic you want to jump into? Well, yeah, uh, let's uh, let's do this one. Some things that have been uh, kind of unique to my situation since I've been yep. here. Yep. Um, one of the ones that that I have now is this. Uh, you know, we've got full time staff, mm-hmm. and then we also have part time staff. Uh, and so, uh, some of the the things that I'm trying to figure out is, you know, what's the balance between having full time like church events where it's all hands on deck. Uh, and at the same time, not overloading them so that they have sufficient time to run their own ministries and events, right? So, you know, for me, for the most part, if you're full time, you know, it, it, that doesn't bother me, right? Uh, right? But you also, we have part-time folks that I, I can't necessarily expect the same kind of time commitment, yet at times it takes the same time. So just kind of, right. that's kind of right. the issue trying to figure out, like, what is that, what could that look like? Uh, when you have both full-time and part-time, uh, I guess, yeah. for like your pastors, employees, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, uh, this is probably not going to sound all great leadership wisdom or anything, but <laughs> I think the bottom line is that I, I'd want to know is I'd want to make sure I'm keeping a pulse, which I think is really important. Um, like, I, you know, I kind of have a few different lanes of my world or whatever, and I have a lane that's got a lot of stipend people that are doing things. Uh, so similar to your thing. And so I'll ask often like, Hey man, are we keeping a good rhythm? Is the rhythm healthy? Uh, is the rhythm moving at the right speed? Uh, are you experiencing any like, dude, you're, you're trying to kill us. Uh, I got other things going on. This isn't my full-time gig. Um, I think the, as non, it doesn't sound all really cool leadership line or formula, but it's simple for me, just like, where are we at really? And is everything going okay? Uh, and I, I want to know from the team whether or not we feel like we're facing that that burnout in that situation. I do think that there is, uh, and that does create a need to have a very uh, open and transparent staff. If they don't feel like they can safely say things to you, uh, I think we all think we're safe to approach, uh, but maybe we're not. Uh, and I think that we have to be honest and say, are we really safe to approach? Do people really want to, uh, can they approach us? Can they be honest with us? Uh, and if we create that environment, they'll let us know. Now, I do think there are times where there's one or two people on the team. It doesn't matter how much we do or don't do. It'll always be too much for them. Yeah. And I think you have to be really careful with those people because you can't let someone's else lack of speed deter your speed, you yeah. know? And again, I think there's a health and there's a balance and there's, if, if there's transparency and open conversation, you can have that, but you can't let someone else's lack of speed deter your speed. Um, and sometimes in a situation like that, um, the bigger problem isn't the speed. The bigger problem is 
they they might be on the wrong seat and they may not be they may not be on the right seat of this of this team. I've had I've had team members over my lifetime where it's like, man, they operate slow. Everything is everything is a burden to them. Everything is too much for them. Everything is, you know, and and it kind of creates that that problem. Um, and man, when that happens, I, I, I probably have to question myself, like, did I hire the right person? Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I want I them to know the speed coming on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think that that's the, I think that a lot of that too is, is probably perhaps some of the thing of going, okay, what I would consider myself pretty fast, not mm-hmm. as fast as you, we work together, <laughs> I mean, but, but I, but I, you know, I, I want to move. I, I look at yep. things like, man, we've got a short amount of time. We, our life is short. We've got a short amount of time that I believe that Christ comes back. And so let's take advantage of the time that we have and let's get moving right. with this thing. And right. so, so I ha- I try to balance like what is too, and maybe I am too fast. Maybe I need to slow down. I can't expect everybody to move at the, the, my speed, but what is, what, who is there's things that are holding us back too. And so I think that that's yeah. the, that is a, a good uh, perspective. Yeah, and and just and keep in mind, I, I it's so important. Ed, I was just talking this recently with another leader. The top three people that you surround yourself with will dictate how far and fast you go. Okay, so yeah. getting the best team members on your team is important. What does that betting process look like? How do we know that this person can run at the same pace, speed, philosophical, theological? How do we know that we're all like, man, this, this, we can lock arms with this person because there is nothing more frustrating than when you're running and someone else is barely walking. Uh, And again, I think we have to step back at leaders and say, okay, are they the problem? No. The actual problem is we invited them on the team when they weren't the right fit. Yeah. That's, that's really probably the bigger problem. Uh, is, is man, we, we brought someone on here just doesn't, doesn't run like this and doesn't operate like this and, or doesn't see things like that. And so, uh, they're not a problem. Uh, we're actually the problem Yeah, because we brought them on a team that they didn't fit. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why over the last probably, I've known you a long time, but probably over the last zero to five, six years, this idea of getting the right people on the bus, I think we all know that. We've all taught it at leadership things, yeah. but my emphasis on that has quadrupled. Like, I yeah. want to make sure you're the right person uh, because hiring the right person is awesome. Hiring the wrong person is draining and expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always go kind of with when hiring people is the whole character competence and chemistry thing. Mm-hmm. And so I guess yep. that would fall under the competence thing in the sense of the speed. The, yep. In the speed. And there are a few things that I've shared, you know, just as you're kind of growing that campus and you're that church and you're, you're adding, you know, adding staff and whatever. The thing that I would, the thing that I always, I, that I've also become real strong about is two things that I think are really good. One I would encourage you to create a document since we're talking about bringing team members on. The document should be titled "What It's Like to Work for Ed." Yeah. And what does that mean? What What's your pet peeves? What are the things that's going to annoy you? What are your expectations? Rather than someone spending nine months to figure out, well, I think that really annoys Ed. I've I've learned after nine months. <laughs> just tell them up front. 
That's one thing. Second thing is, what is it like to work for Ed? But then the second thing is, know your values. And we're not talking about aspiration values. Aspirational values are like, we're a church of the Bible and we're a church of generosity. Those are aspirations. Because not everybody in the church is generous and not everybody's about the Bible. Core values are the things you are no matter what. You can't help but be them in your team. You know, uh, uh, you and I have known each other a long time. I'm a pretty sarcastic guy. And you know, it's like, man, if you can't handle sarcasm, uh, probably not going to do good on this team. Sounds funny, but that becomes a core value, if you will. Like, this is what it's like. to. This is who we are no matter what. And if this is who we are no matter what, we have to find people that are that. Otherwise, we're setting up the relationship for for a disaster. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so I guess the, the uh, another question, kind of, uh, it really kind of uh, tags along with that is yeah. really when it comes to um, different ways to build effectiveness and efficiency. Uh, so we kind of talked about like what's expected or the speed of in which we're doing ministry, but the the tag along to that is you got full time folks and you got part time folks or stipend right. folks, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, building as a leader, I'm, I'm big on wanting to build their capacity, build their effectiveness and efficiency, but it, it's also different, right, with full-time folks that are here all the time and then part-time. So I guess uh, that's kind of like, what, how do we do that? What, how do you, what, what's some good ideas on, on how to build effectiveness and mainly efficiency, I guess, is maybe even a better word, especially with those part-time folks? Yep. The, the two things that I would, um, and as it pertains to um, efficiency. Uh, there's two things that I always teach efficiency and productivity is sounds like what we're talking about. I'm assuming efficiency, productivity, you know, they're gaining ground, whatever. Both of them are exercises. One is the mission critical exercise. Okay. They, your stipend person, let's say you got a children's director at 12 hours a week or I don't know, whatever. Okay. Here's the question. What does that children's director need to be doing for 12 hours? What is mission critical? The way that you define mission critical is this, and I won't go into the whole teaching because it is a big, big teaching, but, but I'll, I'll get to the big, big, rock, big rocks part of it is this. If I don't do blank, our future is threatened. That is how you determine what's mission critical. If I don't do blank, our future is threatened. So <clears throat> um, if a children's director, let's go with the children's director, I actually was working one recently in Arizona and I looked at her like week schedule and she had made three trips to Costco at a church of 600 people. And I'm like, are you the only one that can go to Costco? And, uh, well, it's important. I go, it may be important. I don't know if it's mission critical. Yeah. Developing leaders. Now that's mission critical. Cause remember, if I don't do blank, our future's threatened. So if the pastor decides to launch another campus, I'm telling this, this children's director, uh, and you don't develop leaders, does that threaten the future? She goes, yeah. And I said, then, then that becomes mission critical. Yeah. If I don't do blank, our future's threatened. You can't have 20 of them. There can only be three or four what I call buckets. Yeah. What are the three or four things for Ed Carlson, for your children's, for your worship, whoever? If I don't do blank, our future's threatened. They have to know what their mission critical is because I'm telling you they're responding to the urgent, not yeah. to the mission yeah. critical. They are always respond. Everybody does. Versus like, okay, uh, are you spending 60, 70% of your time in the top three things that are most mission critical? And anytime someone says to you, Hey, well, I think this is mission critical. Okay. Does it pass the test? What's the test? If I don't do blank, 
Now put that, whatever you think it is, our future's threatened. I don't think, I got to run off all the curriculum for Sunday. Is that, is that really our future's threatened if you don't do it? Yeah. Our future's threatened if you don't do it. Well, okay. Now lead pastor, man, if I, if I don't cast, if I don't do all the weddings, no, if I don't do all the funerals, no, if I don't do all the accounting, no, if I don't fundraise, our future's threatened. Yes. If I don't develop the up and coming leaders, our future's threatened. Yes. Uh, if I'm not the chief visionary, our future's threatened. Yes, absolutely. Do you see how all of a sudden it's like, oh, that is, that is, that passed the test. Yeah. Well, so good. one, I think you got to know if you're talking about creating momentum with your team and creating, you know, productivity and all the things that we talked about, I think they need to know, I think you need to help them. What is their mission critical? And that's one lesson. The other lesson is, I don't know if you ever heard of the 12-week year. It, I think it's a great accountability thing. A 12-week year is basically you, you take what's really mission critical for them, right? And now you move it into, okay, everybody sets goals in the beginning of January, but let's do this. Let's, and, and this is nothing new. It's the whole eat, you know, eat an elephant, a bite at the time. It's nothing new. There's yeah. a whole book about it, the 12-week year. But for some reason, it really, that, that statement, 12-week year, helps people. So what I do is I say, you need to develop, man, 20 more leaders. You got to get 30 more volunteers. We need to create these six systems. This is what we wanted to get done this year. Okay. But for the next 12 weeks, what do you got to get done in order to stay on track with that? Yeah. And that 12-week year, if you were walking in my office right now, you would see it plastered on my wall. It says 12-week year, and I have everything until June 30th which is only a few more days. At June 30th, I'll create July, August, and September. Yeah. I know exactly what I have to get done in order to stay on track. That, that's a phenomenal exercise to take your team through. Every three months, they, they have... So now what happens is you create the 12-week year with them. So you sit down with your children's first, you create a 12-week year, okay? First, you decide with the... Okay, what do we want to get done in 12 months from now? Now let's talk about the 12-week year. And then when you meet with them, assuming you do, I don't know, I don't know your schedule, but if you meet with them every week or every other week for a 20-minute accountability, all you do is pull out the 12-week year and go, okay, Joanne, okay, Tom, Jessica, whoever, how are we doing? Okay, let's look at the 12-week year. Did we get that done? Did we get that done? Did we get that done? And now all of a sudden it just becomes um, so much easier that way. So, But you can't do the 12-week year until you know what your mission critical is. Yeah, that's good. So you have to take them through an exercise. Uh, And here's what you'll find. The clearer you become, clarity will do one of two things. This is really important. Clarity will do one of two things. It'll let you know who's leading expectations and who's cheating expectations. Mm. Clarity will always do that. So it's funny because I was working with a staff a while back uh, at a church and they were in front of the pastor going, we don't have clear, clear, uh, clear, you know, clarity, 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 clarity. And I told the staff, I said, okay. I said, you asked for it. I said, because understand, it's going to quickly identify which one in here is leading expectation and which one is cheating them. Yeah. And you'll know fast. Yeah, so anyway, that's, that's, that's what good. I would do. Those two exercises. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So the other one, uh, last question really I had yeah. was, um, you know, we... I mean, we've known each other for, gosh, 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was a youth pastor for a while and, and quite a while and uh, had youth ministries at uh, different sizes, you know, start off yep. small and for yep. youth ministry done, had a big one. So uh, things change, how you do ministry, how you yep. do pastor. Same right. thing, right, in 
and, and now in, in being a lead pastor, right? We started church, started from nothing, it grew, mm-hmm. I had to change things. But now we're in another situation now where uh, bigger than that, but then also at the same time growing pretty rapidly. So yep. uh, the big question I think on that is um, what are the, the kind of the different ways uh, I call it like doing church, for lack of a better term, um, and more specifically, the administration and systems of things. What, what I find is that sometimes systems work for a certain level, a certain amount of people, and then you got to tweak them. Or, and so I guess that's the question is, what does that look like for a church of 200? What does that look for like a church of 500? Are, are there definitive uh, numerical breakdowns of like, hey, this part of your system is going to need to be fixed if you get to this or in order to get to this level and once you get to this level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So as you grow, what, what yep. things start changing as it pertains yep. to systems? Um, you know, a couple things that come to mind, and we've already kind of talked about one of them, um, is the one thing is the bigger you get, the less people you pastor. Yep. Because you only pastor the staff. Yep. Uh, that changes. Second thing, another thing that changes in no particular order, but I just know from, from experience and from you know working with a lot of churches, is that changes for sure. You coach less or you 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 pastor less people. The next thing that changes is um, the higher you get, my own coach tells us this, Dan Ryland, he always tells me, he goes, the bigger you get, the more incredibly crucial the top two or three or four people are that are around you. Mm. Okay, that it just gets more and more crucial, more and more crucial. Wow. You, you, you will never go farther than that. The other thing he says is the bigger you get, the more demand for what we talked about early 12-week years become. Because if you're in an organization with 100 employees, you can kind of get lost in there. Um, yep. You know, and, uh, you know, when we were at our height, we had a, I don't know, a bunch, a bunch of employees and then, uh, at one time, you know, it was different ebb and flow. We were really rocking, and then the, the 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 recession came, and we had to cut some people and do all this stuff. And it was interesting. We cut like we had to cut like eight to twelve people, and I was like, we didn't miss a beat because it was just not because those people weren't valuable, yeah. just because you realize like, wow, um, man, you you, you can kind of realize like we can still do a lot on less. And so the need to stay accountable as you move up that ladder. So the key people around you, the need to keep people accountable, um, the need to continue to restructure how the org chart looks and how staff meetings look always changes. Org chart changes. Who's reporting to who? Yeah. Uh, is that influence or is that authority? How does that look on the org chart? Then how you're running meetings. It's just the staff meeting at a church of two or 300 is a collect all. It's where we go through our book. It's where we do accountability. It's where we talk about the calendar. We talk about the church picnic. We talk about this. We talk about that. I was working with a church 2000 or so, and he just had regular staff meeting. And I sat in the staff meeting and I thought, we spent 35 minutes on the kind of meat they wanted to have at the July 4th barbecue. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, your church runs 2,500 people. You are way above talking about meat yeah. at a staff meeting. So, yeah. so now it's like, you need to have a staff for department heads. Then you need to have an SLT or a DLT, directional leadership team. Like the bigger you get, the org chart changes and how you do staff uh, meetings, whether that's executive team, staff meeting, the staff meeting cannot be the catch-all as you get bigger. 
it can't be like we try to do everything inside of our staff meeting. That's good. Yeah, I think that uh, maybe perhaps where we're at, right, is that kind of that, I, I like to call it, we're in that unique kind of um, awkward teenager phase, right, where you're, yep. you're growing uh, and, and things are going well, life is good. Uh, you look around, things are great, but we're almost kind of in that thing like, oh, man, like I feel like we're still missing some systemic things as well as some maybe even some programmatic things or even people things that that are going to help us sustain you know where we're at now as well as to right. move us forward and so you've probably been there too right it's it's not only people it's it's just this awkward phase of like yep uh, man we're, this is a growing moment here and, and we're not there yet and so we yep. got to get there what do we need to do you know yep well i uh i think that's uh that's a great observation because it kind of follows that whole old bell curve term. You know, it's, uh, I think leaders have to see farther than everybody else. So you're kind of like, hey, things are going pretty good. Things are going pretty good. But man, before they maybe just sort of level off and maybe even start doing this, I've got to catch it here. That's your job as a leader is to catch it and think, we got to fix this now. And everybody's looking at you going, there's nothing to fix. You're like, mm, there will be if we don't fix this. Yeah. Literally had a coaching conversation with a guy in Pennsylvania early this morning. Uh, and he's like, man, everything's going great, but I just can sense it. Like, man, we're not creating the systems. And I feel like the balloon's going to get bigger and then it's going to go back and it's going to get bigger and then it's going to go back because the organization will always fall to the level of its systems. And so we've got to create systems and strategies and structure that can sustain the ongoing growth. So the balloon, if you will, is getting bigger at this church in Pennsylvania, no doubt about it. But he's like, he, he told me, he goes, I can mark four times that's happened in the last six years where I'm like, this is great. And I said, and every time it comes back down to this, why? Because it falls to the level of the systems and you're recognizing it. And if it was me, I'm just telling you what I would do. Yeah. If it was me, I'd bring my top two or three people together. I don't know if I'd make it an all-staff uh, thing. I'd bring my top two or three people together. I'd say, first, number one is we need to identify what systems are missing. Let's just identify them. We don't have a very clear leadership pipeline. Good, let's identify that. We don't have a very clear onboarding process for new volunteers. Like, it's, it's okay, but it's not good. Okay, boom. We don't have, okay, we identify those top four or five. And we look at each other and we go, okay, next time we come together, we're going to start knocking out these one by one. We're going to figure out what we have to do and who, who's gonna, and who we need to do it. Uh, and that's what I would do because you're recognizing, you're recognizing a system problem. And if the organization always falls to the level of the systems, then if this is where your system's at, even if you get a spike, it'll always come, it always comes right back down, always, yeah. Yeah. to the level of the systems. Yeah, I, I kind of was having a conversation the other day with someone, and I kind of likened it to a person that's an entrepreneur, right? You, you have a startup, and, and, and you're gangbusters, right? You're like a year and two years, you're exceeding expectations and sales, and but you you realize you're going, dude, we're going to need an, a really inflow of cash here if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to make it to that next level and get to where we're really going to get, right? right. So you go out and you find, you know capital and all that stuff. So kind of a, the same feeling, not necessarily just money. Of course, any church, any pastor say, yes, of course, right. my money would help, right. but it's everything, right? It's like, right. oh, wow. Like these are some growing pains. Yep. We got to get this fixed so that we can sustain it and even go further. hundred percent. 
Yeah, and because you know you're a you're a great pastor, and you like energy, you like growth, you like the excitement and passion. I mean, a lot of us do. We have a tendency to accidentally and unintentionally put product in front of process. So, man, we're putting out that great thing, and we put on the great service, and it's growing, and it's going, and it's going, and it's like, yeah, but we have no process. Uh, so it's kind of like Chris and Ed opened up a restaurant, and it's amazing food. Our process is if they're not in place, it'll crumble as fast as it opened up. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is amazing food. Uh, who's delivering it? Who get, who's, who's gets here in the morning to prep it? Who's running all of our accounting? Who's cleaning up the restaurant? Who's making sure, like, oh, oh, we didn't think of all that. We're just putting out good food. <laughs> and that's, I think, what we do in ministry. Like, let's just put out good food. And let's, it's like, yeah, but you better think of all this. Otherwise, it's going to do this. And it, it just, it always comes down. Yeah. You know, I, I've told you this before. It's it's kind of like, a, I don't know, a, a, a table, a fold-up fold table. I get on it. You get on it. A third person, a fourth person gets on it. Eventually, it's just going to collapse. Yeah. Because it can only handle so much weight. And that's the same thing like the buddy I was talking to in Pennsylvania. Yep, the balloon's growing, but it'll always come back down to the weight that it can handle. The structure, strategy, systems, processes, they are designed to hold so much weight. And if you don't attack them, get your team together, whiteboard the heck out of it. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Solve them. It might take, it might be a two or three month journey, but we're going to solve it. If we don't figure this out and dial in these systems, we'll just, we're just going to have this and we're never yeah. going to see this. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, all that's what I would do. Speed of trust. Yeah. And all yep. that stuff as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. Awesome. Dude, it's always Thanks, good man. to see you. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out, man. Great questions today. And, uh, and thanks for being on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No, we had a great time, man. Appreciate All right. you. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.